Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music, 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 music. Hey, everybody. How's it going? You're listening to The Command Zone, your premium destination for all things EDH. Uh, I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. All right. Today, we are returning to the Color Wheel series. Yay, yeah, you must be like super happy, Jimmy. Oh, yes. Uh, so the last time we did this, we covered the color green. And uh, this is essentially a new series that we're starting that we're pairing up with the top 10 cards in each color episodes that we do. And we're going to uh, cover each of the colors, and we'll probably do artifacts as well, I guess, although there's not much in the color wheel for artifacts specifically. Okay. Uh, today we are talking about my spirit color, red. Jimmy, the red has got to be one of the, I mean, this is like soon to be your favorite episode ever. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, in red spirit, uh, we'll try and blast through this really quickly, right? And try and end the game before uh, before we get to the late game. In red spirit, we should go fast. We go fast. All right, the main topic today is... Okay, just kidding. Uh, so, yeah, so we're, if you guys haven't heard our top 10 cards in each color, we do all those episodes as well. Uh, and they're good to reference when you're, when you're listening to these as well because you can see what we think are the best ca- cards in EDH for those colors specifically. Um, but the way that these episodes work is we start really broad talking about the color in general, and then we narrow it down to how it functions in EDH and how you should use it or how you shouldn't use it in EDH and how, you know, these strengths and weaknesses. And we talk about the allied and enemy colors and all that good stuff. So it, it might be a good idea. We'll cover it really quickly here. But when we did our first, uh, in the color wheel series, it was green mm-hmm. and we talked about why it's important to understand the color wheel. So briefly, the way that the game mechanics work and one of the great things about magic in general is the fact that there's color separation and each color has its own personality, has its own identity and actually understanding that and how that works can help you understand how you're supposed to play the game. Yeah. So and also how you can break the game in certain ways, which is always very, very useful. Yeah, exactly. So you know by what colors people are playing, what types of effects they're likely to be utilizing and what kinds of things that they're going to have more trouble with because certain colors are good at handling certain things and bad at handling other things. And so once you know the color wheel inside and out, then you can infer a lot of information just by looking at what colors people are playing or what mana they have untapped and available, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that's really important just to help you become a better player and uh, also just, you know, not have those feel bad moments when you play a creature into someone's path to exile and you're like, well, I... I might have been able to see that coming. Yeah, exactly. It helps you play around things, help you make plans, helps you, you know, uh, suss out what the plans of your opponents may be. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it goes very deep. And again, one of the reasons magic is as great as it is is because of color separation and the color wheel. That's right. So Richard Garfield, who is the grandfather of magic, uh, he based the game on his philosophies towards these five different colors in the game what they represent, and how they interact. And that's what we call the color wheel. And he arranged the colors in a specific way so that the neighbors to the colors, if you look at the back of a magic card, you'll see all the colors are arranged in a very specific way. The colors that are to the left and right of a color are the neighbor. They would have a related philosophy. And Those are what we call allied colors. Correct. And the uh, colors on the opposite side of the pentagon, we would call those the enemy colors, would have an opposite philosophy. 
And um, Mark Rosewater is currently the big daddy designer over at Wizards, and he is a, he's a big fan of staying true to the color wheel because it is really what makes the game interesting is that each color does certain things well and other things not as well. I and, would even say that Mark Rosewater is responsible for the refinement of the color wheel, mm-hmm. and it's, it's sort of to him the golden goose of what makes magic what it is. And, you know, they've really gotten good in the last 10 years at defining what the color wheel is and redefining yeah. it and sort of keeping within the lines of what that is. And it's really helped the game. So, yeah. you know, kudos to uh, Morrow for, for that. It's really helped the game. Yeah, and also it, it just helps out a lot that they've had sets where, you know, they're just allied colors are a, are a focus right. on it. So they can really focus on how the colors interact with each other. And it's been a lot of fun because it's created some of the best cards uh, just through these interactions, through combining colors. So uh, we're going to quote a lot of Morrow's stuff uh, as we go through this. He has so many articles on Wizards, if you look it up, uh, and he's written about every single one of these colors, each color combination, and they're all really awesome articles. He also has a podcast. So if you don't listen to any of that stuff or read it, I highly suggest you guys check it out if, it's, if this is something that interests you. So let's talk about red. Your favorite, Jimmy. My favorite, and this was my favorite because back when I first started playing, like Unlimited, I think, we would play, it was, I was in third grade, we would play outside on the pavement outside of classrooms, and we would just shuffle up, play, and I had a mono red burn deck because I wasn't really interested in attacking with creatures. Right. <laughs> I was just really interested in getting enough man to play Disintegrate or Fireball and just kill them in one turn or two turns and just keep lightning bolt their faces. So I really enjoyed that part of red, and that is where red started, so... Red, historically, has been known to be the color of speed, aggression, and burn. Oh, the fires of red. Uh, Morrow says that each color's view of the world is heavily influenced by the thing it values most. And I didn't really think about this before, but according to Morrow, and it makes a lot of sense now, red values following your emotions more than anything else. And yeah, they're, they're the most passionate color. Yeah. I'd say red is also the color of chaos. Mm-hmm. We'll talk um, about that for sure. Yeah, it's the color of... It used to be the color of randomness. They've changed that recently. Yeah. Red yeah. also has like a mischievous or maybe like a trickster uh, angle to they it. They are home to the goblins. But so. that also has to do with trust, with like following your emotions. Because mm-hmm. if you're like, I mean, anger is the way that that comes out the most, which is like, I'm angry, so I attack. Yeah. But it can also be like, oh, this seems like it would like mess things up so i'll do this chaotic thing and that's also like in their color wheel yeah it was really interesting what morrow wrote about it is that it's because emotion's an interesting way to describe a color because each color you could say has an emotion um but red's relationship to emotion is specifically if it is angry it will act in anger if it's sad it's gonna cry if it wants to goblin out everywhere because it's having fun and wants to have fun it's gonna do that so it follows its emotions and it goes towards that and it doesn't like it doesn't really hedge on any of its bets. So if red wants to burn you out, they're going to go straight for it. Um, so that really fits into what we know about red. Red is direct damage. Red is where pingers are from, burn spells, artifacts, and land destruction. Red goes for something when it wants it. And, of course, it will use brute force if it has to. Pun intended. <laughs> um, let's talk about some of the iconic cards from red indeed this isn't a, a, a pretty cool walk down memory lane for a lot of this stuff i you mentioned lightning bolt probably yeah. the single most uh, iconic card yeah one of the most powerful cards in modern for red as well uh, it's one red for a spell that's an instant that does three damage to target creature or player so uh, that's just the most red card there is yeah it's it's super efficient it's incredibly powerful it's damage based mm-hmm. you know red usually does its things like Whereas white has a one white spell that exiles a creature, red's going to do damage to it. And it also has the versatility of just being able to hit your opponent. Right, yeah. So red isn't about... It's a, when we say direct damage, it says, that's what we mean. It's not going to find some clever way of getting something out of play. It doesn't deal with like exiling stuff or like yeah. you know shuffling it into your library with one exception or you know other weird ways. It's just like, no, I just like hit you hard. You know, I bolt you. I fireball you. Yeah. Like, that's what it does. It just smacks you hard. Smacks you very hard. Yeah. Um, and it's also in the quote-unquote original cycle of cards. Ancestral Vision is another card. It's one blue to draw three. Ancestral Recall. Yeah, Ancestral Recall. Yeah, sorry. Ancestral Vision is different. Uh, yeah. And red is one red to do three damage. So one for three there. Yep. Um, another really iconic card is Fireball. Um, and if you guys know Channel Fireball is a way to, used to be a way to instant win the game. 
Yeah, it was a turn. It was the first turn zero kill. Was a Black Lotus channel fireball with a mountain. Yeah, uh, and you channel nineteen of your life and hit him for twenty. Yeah. Um. Yep. And it's just all those red X spells. We, call, we you call them red X spells. It's just pay red and X and then do that much damage to something. Fireball is a little more comp- complicated because you can actually split targets. I mm-hmm. won't talk about how because nobody can really understand it. But anyway, that's <laughs> just one of the things red does. Um. Other iconic cards like Shatter was one of the very first destroy target artifact. Mm-hmm. And you Red know? is all about destroying artifacts, by the way. It yeah. likes to destroy things that are tangible and real. So that's, that's why, why Red... it can't touch enchantments. Yeah, because yeah. enchantments are just sort of floating around the air, and Red's like, uh, I try and burn it. It doesn't work. Red's uh, like, I don't deal with ideas, man. Yeah. I just want to actually slam a hammer down onto that artifact. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, so Shatter was one in a Red for an instant destroy target artifact. Um and that's also one of the best parts about red in EDH is that it is able to destroy artifacts as well as lands. Yeah, um, Stone Rain is one of the early um, and still referred to when you're just talking about a, an effect that destroys a single land. Mm-hmm. They'll call it like a Stone Rain effect. It yeah. was a tuna red for a card that just said destroy target land. So red, while I said it does direct damage to things, that doesn't actually do anything to a land. So the only time you'll really see destroy on a red card is when it's saying destroy a land mm-hmm. or destroy lands. You know, things like wildfire will do damage to all creatures and destroy a bunch of lands. Yeah. Um, or So that's just a thing that red does. In fact, it's really, it used to be that a few other colors dealt with land destruction and they've really pushed it so that red's almost the only one that does it now. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because uh, land destruction is not as powerful um, unless you're in modern. Uh, it's 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 pretty powerful. Even in, in modern, it's nothing like it used to be. Yeah. 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 It, early in magic, land destruction was a huge, very prominent strategy, and uh, a lot of colors did that. But they found out, oh, hey, that's not a super amount of fun. So then they yeah. just sort of started getting rid of it until the point where, like, we don't really have a lot of it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another iconic red uh, ability and card is Threaten. So mm-hmm. when everyone says, someone says a Threaten effect, it essentially is doing what this card does, which is two in red for a sorcery, untap target creature, and gain control of it until end of turn. That creature gains haste until end of turn. So it's steal a creature, swing at someone with it, and then it, they give it back to them at the end of the turn. This is like so red because what's blue do? Blue's the opposite of red. It's one of the enemy pairings is blue and red. And blue will take that creature for good. Mm-hmm. Whereas red is not that much of a planner. It doesn't like think long-term. It's super short-term. Very short-term. Yeah. Thinking, and yeah. so it's like basically like going to increase the emotions in something so that it betrays its master only for, you know, this one turn. And that's just how red is. They're like, I'm not thinking about two turns from now. No, I just want to hit you now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's red is the second most mind controlly color, but or but that's how they do it. They only do it till end of turn. You know, it used to be like Ray of Command was in blue, mm-hmm. but now red gets all of the quote unquote threaten effects. Yeah, and yeah, red today it's definitely known for it's got speed, but it has downside. Mm-hmm. It's got short, fast games, but it's really bad in the late game, and it can't finish uh, as well as some other decks if it doesn't get there soon enough. Um, so. That's definitely uh, part of the iconic red cards. Another one that I want to talk about is Fork, one of uh, mm. your favorite cards. Uh, it's just red, red, and copy target instant or sorcery spell, except that copy is red, and you can choose new targets for the copy. So it grabs a spell and just doubles it, essentially. In recent years, they've sort of switched this, and it's more like uh, Wild Ricochet now, mm-hmm. where you s- Wild Ricochet is two and two red for an instant. It says you may choose new targets for target instant, instant or sorcery. Then copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So you can sort of hijack somebody else's spell. Pretty this, good. Another thing that Blue used to do uh, exclusively, but now Red sort of does, which is commandeer your stuff mid-cast mm-hmm. and, uh, and reappropriate it and point it over there instead. So it's just another thing. Um, I think red is the second biggest spell color. I mean, sorry, instant and sorcery color also, whereas blue's first. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, red definitely has a ton of, of instant instants and sorceries. And sorceries. Yeah. yeah. Um, another card that gets mentioned a lot is falter. So, falter effects. Yeah, falter is... You'll notice that there's a whole bunch of cards that you'll refer to anything that steals a creature for one turn as a threaten effect. And a falter effect is... Falter was a card. It's one and a red for an instant, it says creatures without flying can't block this turn. So red is the color that makes it so that creatures can't block. Mm-hmm. So 
it sometimes it's without flying and sometimes it's with flying sometimes it's not all their creatures it's only specific ones but red has the ability on multiple cards to just stop things from being able to block yeah and they've reprinted this card a bunch like magnetic yeah. chasm was in uh dragons of tarkir i believe or cons of tarkir you'll and you'll hear like rap in flames which was just in modern masters mm-hmm. as a it's a falter effect because it hits three things for one uh damage each but it also makes it so those things can't block until end of turn yeah so that is a falter effect um Again, if we look at blue, what's blue do? Blue makes it so they pick one of their creatures and say, this creature's unblockable. Red does a similar thing, but they actually say, see that creature you have? It can't block. Yeah. So it's a similar outcome, but slightly different effect. Yeah, red likes to point at one or two multiple things, or in in Falter's effect, a lot of things without flying specifically. Red's very much on the ground, uh, except for, of course, dragons, of course. But red is definitely one of the few colors that is rooted in the earth more so than than blue or white necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, another card, uh, Rummaging Goblin. Oh, yes. So whenever we talk about looting in Magic, it means you do something to draw a card and then discard a card. Right. Uh, rummaging now, is the opposite of rummaging that. Rummaging is the opposite. It's Red's version of that, which is a little more chaotic, a little more random, which is discard a card and then draw a card. So if you didn't get that, the difference is big. If you draw a card and then you look at all the cards in your hand and choose one to discard, you've got a lot more information. If you'd have to discard a card and then draw a card, you have less information because you don't know what the card you're going to draw is. Mm-hmm. So again, it's very red, red versus blue. Blue's the looting color. Right. Uh, red's the rummaging color. Yeah. Also, in general, when you're looting, you want to loot more than rummage because you could draw a land and then you want to discard that card you drew. Whereas with red, let's say you're like, well, I have all these cards. Like if I discard the land here and you just draw another card, you're like, oh crap! Now I need that land. Or if you have no land, you might not want to rummage at all because right. what if you what if you dump a creature and then draw a land? That's bad. But yep. if you're looting, it doesn't matter. You just draw it and then you decide. Yeah. So, so having the more information is nice, but of course, red and card draw are two things that don't go hand in hand. So the downside is that you just have to do it in the opposite order, which is definitely very nice because it balances it out. Because if if red had the access to the same amount of sort of looting that blue did, then things will not be as balanced in the game. Well, it's also a color it's also a color identity thing whereas blue is the calculating color. It's the I think more color. Mm-hmm. So it wants to use the ability that lets it think more. Red's the like, I don't care, just give me a card. Yeah. And I just need this now yeah, and I need it soon. I need this card and I'm not worried about weighing, you know, the the cost benefit analysis. I'm gonna, I don't need this right now, just give me any card you got. You know, and that's just how red is. They're just like, I don't know. I got to go now. I got to attack you now. I got to hit you for three, like right now. Just give me that card. Yeah, totally. So let's talk about the inherent strengths and weaknesses of red. We've already covered a lot of this already, but essentially to make the color wheel work, each individual color has to be balanced. This is the most important part of making magic work, and that's why the game is so good. It's because the little edges that the designers create within the confines of the balance is why the game is so excellent. Um, it's got a lot of layers. So in the color wheel, in the big picture, you need to be able to balance the strengths of one color with its own weaknesses. So for red, we've already talked about this. We've got small, fast creatures. We've got haste. Uh, In general, haste is a very red mechanic, the ability to attack or use an ability when it comes into the battlefield that turn. Pump spells are a big part of red, um, as is artifact and land removal. Direct damage, fast mana. Red has a lot of abilities where you can play a creature and then sacrifice it to give you more mana or just play a spell that gives you five mana, kind of like a dark ritual status. And red wants to win quickly and act quickly to overwhelm, but its creatures aren't large and it doesn't ha- it can't hold an advantage for a long time with stuff like falter and threaten. It's usually very temporary, but red's just hoping that that is enough to make it happen. Uh, weaknesses of red. We've already talked about this one. It's a big one. Yeah, um, can't deal with enchantments. Mm. In enchantment, uh, we talked about this earlier, it's just not tangible, so red's just like they can't deal with stuff that's not tangible. Which is bad, because if you're playing mono-red, enchantments are a big deal. Enchantments Um, are a huge deal in EDH because they have like all the sort of craziest effects, and a lot of decks are built around you know a few enchantments, a few powerful enchantments. Like, if you can't get rid of Grave Pact ever, (laughs) it can be really hard to win. Yeah. Um, they don't. They don't ramp. The, it's not a color that ramps. Not um, permanent ramp, at least. Red yeah. is always temporary ramp. Yeah. Well, red's temporary everything. Um, so you're sort of dependent on artifacts, especially for like mana rocks and things like that. Because in EDH, you just have to have ramp. You just can't play the game if on turn five you've only got five mana. Um, you know, every other deck's gonna have seven or eight mana. You know, there'll be two or three turns ahead. And if you're just sitting there and you don't have artifacts, 
then you can't catch up. And yeah. so that makes you a little bit vulnerable because artifacts are obviously easier to destroy than lands. Yeah, and it's very much based on, like, red has, like, if you play a mono red deck, like my Kikijiki deck that we talked about, you have to have certain ramp cards in there. And without those, or if someone just gets rid of them, you're hosed. Yeah. It's just really hard to get the same amount of mana that everyone else has. Um, red is very bad at card draw as well. Uh, yeah, they're historic. In fact, um, this has sort of changed recently, but historically they were horrible at it. Yeah. Rummaging was even like, oh, sweet, we get a little bit. You know, they had Wheel of Fortune, but very little else. And recently right. they've they've sort of invented a new type of card draw, which is the exile the top card of your library. You, right. You may play that card until end of turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so, great because it, it is very thematic. Red, again, here, they are all about having something work for them, but with a very clear downside. So with the exile thing, you may exile a card that you just can't play. Yep. It or is you card ha- draw, but... You have to play it that turn, otherwise it goes away. Yeah, exactly. So it's very, again, it's short-term thinking. That's what Red is really their biggest personality trait, maybe, is like they want something, they want it now, they're not worried about the consequences. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So yeah, there's a lot of randomness that Red also has uh, that's kind of an inherent weakness because they love chaos, they love dealing with just coin flips sometimes, or... uh, like hatred of structure is part of red's thing so they they'll take a big risk and not necessarily uh come out on top with it like a card is like final fortune which lets you yep. take an extra turn but if you, you lose the game you lose the game at the end of that turn so you have to win otherwise so that's very iconic but they're red. like the all-in color they're just like i'm just gonna swing as hard as i can you know and if, yeah. you know hopefully you're not standing at the end of that and if you are i don't really have a plan b yeah you know that's that's very them uh they, and, and the things like um like uh, Warp World and oh God, all these crazy card. effects that are like everybody shuffles up all their stuff and then you randomly deal it out to everybody and they're like, hey, I might get awesome stuff. That's yeah. just how Red thinks. Yeah, and that's like kind of like Red's big finisher, uh, which is just like, hope it works. <laughs> yep, hope it works. That's very Red. Yeah, so there's not much end game when it comes to Red. Uh, Josh wrote down very, very aptly, it's a sprinter versus a long distance runner. So sometimes the sprinter can get it done. They'll take you from 20 to 0, 40 to 0, before you're able to get back on your feet and finish the race. But a lot of times control and just more mid-game slash late-game strategies can work really well against Red. I think a lot of people have said this, and it is sort of generally true is that red is one of the weaker edh colors simply because of the nature of the format Mm -hmm. like the amount like lightning bolt doesn't scale well when you double everybody's life total yeah you know it it, neither does a goblin guide or a creature that just attacks the idea of like everything's balanced to get you down from 20 and then i put that into a format where you start at 40 and the balance is naturally off for a lot of the stuff red does but red also is the color of dragons right which are their big sort of end game possible finishers. So they do yeah. have some stuff, but it's definitely like it's definitely a color that doesn't translate to EDH like all of its effects very well. Yeah, I think about someone like Blue. Blue's all about like, hey, I can draw cards and be controlling and work towards a longer game. Like, well, that's going to work a lot better for EDH than someone that just runs at you full force and just keeps going even though he keeps hitting like the cement wall and be like, I can do it. Right. <laughs> Um, so that's why red is my favorite color because it is very good when you pair it with other colors. Mm-hmm. I think that's the reason I love red so much. If you look at the deck list I posted online, actually, you'll see that my red in my Marchesa deck is very limited. There's only a few cards in there that, that have red in it. And it's because I like to use red more in conjunction with other colors and straight by itself. Now, mono red, you could argue, is one of the strongest EDH deck archetypes for mono colors because it has Kiki-Jiki. And that card single-handedly makes... And Splinter Twin. And Splinter Twin and the That's goblins. another thing we didn't talk about because I'd say Kiki is one of the most iconic red cards. Yeah, definitely. And and red also has this thing, which it shares with blue, of being able to copy uh, a creature. A creature, but it does it in the red way, which is temporarily. Mm-hmm. And of course, you have to sacrifice it or it just disappears at the end of turn or gets exiled or whatever. So let's look at the allied and enemy colors for red. Uh, if you guys look at the back of a magic card, again, there are five colors arranged in a pentagonal shape. Red's on the lower left. To the left is green, which we talked about in the last color wheel episode. To the right is black. And so these are red's allies. Across from red, we have from left to right, white and blue. And these are the enemy colors of red. So let's talk about how they function in EDH. Enemy pairs, Boros, red and white. Um, so Mark Rosewater describes this as purpose with passion. And this is sort of turned into the uh, military colors of EDH. Mm-hmm. It's the weenie madness colors. Both colors 
like lots of small creatures. So generally you're doing, uh, you know, a one drop, a two drop, a three drop, and then attacking with all of them, which is basically Boros from gate crash. They have the battalion mechanic. They want a lot of creatures to be attacking all at once. Um, some of the good cards from that are Boros charm. Oh yeah. Boros charm is excellent. Boros charm is actually a, a modal card. Uh, we've talked about a few times. It's, Cost Boros, so it costs two mana, a red and a white. It's an instant. It says choose one. Boros Charm deals four damage to target player. Super red effect. Or permanence you control gain indestructible until end of turn. Super white. A super white effect. Or target creature gains double strike until end of turn. Now that's the one that's combined because red and white are the colors of double strike and first strike. Mm-hmm. So that is such a great card because it's useful in so many different situations. It can save all your creatures. And because you're in red, white, you have a lot of little creatures mm-hmm. or it can finish somebody off by either smacking them right in the face for four or giving one of your creatures double strike and hitting them for even more. Right. And one of those creatures uh, might be a legendary creature like Gisela blade of gold Knight. Oh man. Which is one of the most powerful commanders you can play. Um, I, I had this, someone had this out in a game and I also had out a, uh, a Furnace of Wrath. <laughs> and essentially, everyone died in one turn. Because Brutal. Uh, Gisela Blade of Gold Knight costs four red, white, white, so seven total. Legendary Creature Angel, five, five, flying for a strike. So there's the red, white part of the, uh, the battalion sort of uh, military stuff there. If a source would deal damage to an opponent or a permanent and the opponent controls, that source deals double that damage to that player or permanent instead, which is a very red effect, doubling damage. Um, and if a source would deal damage to you or a permanent you control, prevent half that damage rounded up, which is super white. Yep. So this card essentially says, hey, the game state has changed. Everyone else is doing tons of damage to each other and half of that to me. So it both incentivizes people not to attack you and also not get your anger because you can just finish them off really quickly. And it also incentivizes everyone just to, to swing at each other and kill them really quickly. So Giselle is definitely the... The reason that red white is really good in EDH because I would argue that battalion and attacking with creatures is just not as strong. Well, one of the things that makes red white there's two things I think that makes red white not as good in EDH. One is that there's not a lot of card draw in either of those colors, mm-hmm. so you just peter out really fast and you get to the point where like yeah you curved out you played a two drop three drop four drop you know but then you didn't have any way to refill your hand and it's like maybe that defeated one of your opponents but what about the other two? Yeah. Um, that's one downside. And the other is one of the big things about this color combination is, um, combat tricks. Mm -hmm. So that's, they're both very good at like pumping all their creatures or pumping a couple of their creatures, which is just something in EDH that temporary bonus is just not as valuable. Yeah. Um, In general, anything temporary is usually not that good. That's why red again is a very risky color to play because it rewards you really well for doing temporary stuff because it could be giant bursts of damage. But it punishes you just as equally. Yeah. Because you're playing against more than one player. A Boros deck is going to come out of the gate super fast and probably surprise at least one player and, and be able to take out at least one player very fast. Yeah. It's just can it continue to roll and take out two more players? That's the tough part. Yeah, which is why actually it's interesting because red and white, they are enemy colors, but they are very, very similar mm-hmm. uh in how they function in the game because white has the ability to go with the white weenie strategy and play fast and quickly. Right. Uh, whereas the next enemy pair uh, are very different, but they are also similar in a couple of ways, which is really interesting. We're they're actually, about... I think Rosewater has been quoted as saying they're the most different of any two color pair. Mm-hmm. And they're also the favorite for him to design as well, I believe. He, yeah, um, he's. I think he says that he's red and blue. Yeah, it is, is it? And I think I'm red and blue too. Um, well, and I th- I'm not sure that I am, but it's very common in our business because what is, is it, you know? What is it? What is what is it? Is it? It's because uh, <laughs> blue is a reactive color. Red is a proactive color. Red's the passionate color. Mm-hmm. Blue's the calculating color. You know, when you take passion and you take calculation and you put it together, you get you start getting like creativity. Yeah. So that's going to be a common thing because you here you are. You're in Los Angeles in the movie business in a creative setting like i have a creative job you have a creative job we're going to identify with this with this type of color pairing because yeah. of that i think and Morrow was an actor uh, before he, became he was a, a writer and a writer yeah yep. so definitely uh um i think i mean this is also the colors for the original twin deck in modern yep. as well um so yeah it's reactive plus proactive and these are the two colors that are the, that are the most instant and sorcery heavy um so they're all about spells that are not necessarily creatures so they want 
you know, Storm is a mechanic that is yep. prominent in these colors. Um, and I mean, they they have a list, and white has the most creatures. Green has the second most creatures. Mm-hmm. Blue has the least creatures. Red has the second least creatures. So when you flip that, that means that blue has the most instants and sorceries, and red has the second most instants and sorceries. And that's why we say they're the most sort of spell-heavy. Mm-hmm. I know spell in magic vernacular means any spell, any spell but, yeah. but yeah, we mean instants and sorceries. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, the card like Is It Charm uh, just says it all. So it's an instant for a blue and a red. You can choose one. Counter target non-creature spell unless his controller plays two, so it's kind of like a mana leak. Or Is It Charm deals two damage to target creature, which is like a any of red burn spells. And then uh, the last mode is draw two cards and discard two cards, which is a combination of both, uh, but more on the blue side because you're not discarding before you draw. So mechanically, there's not much overlap between blue and red because they're both doing such different things. Blue wants to wait for you to do something. Red is going to be the person doing it to you, which gives it a really powerful combination in EDH because you want both of those options to you available to you at both times. And something like Is It Charm says that immediately. Look, you can do both these things. You can wait for someone to cast a spell or you can just go at them first or you can draw some cards and get card advantage. So there's a lot to be said about how powerful Is It is and that's probably why it's one of my favorites. Early on in my magic days, it was the combination that I gravitated towards because it had counter spells and then it had direct damage. So you could do all these things where you're like sitting there waiting for them to play their thing. You counter it, then you just fireball them out. Mm-hmm. So that was a very, you know, it doesn't seem related, but then it is because controlling and then suddenly bursting forward does work and it does work in EDH too. So there's a way to sort of use your blue to control the board and keep everything under the control until you insurrection. Yeah. Pretty powerful. Um, by the way, these colors, I believe, are the only colors that have the uh, the word overload on them. And overload is an incredibly powerful mechanic uh, because it is on a card called like Cyclonic Rift, where Yowch. you can cast it for an alternative ac- casting cost, which costs more. And it does, usually the cards target one thing, and overload lets you target everything or each. So um, red and blue are the colors that have overload. Uh, I really like that. I think it's really flavorful. It's awesome because the idea of targeting everything by paying more mana is super red, and the controlly parts of it is very blue, so I like that quite a bit. Uh, one thing I really love about red and blue is they're the two colors, I believe, with the most like activated abilities on creatures because mm-hmm. they're the spell colors, so even their creatures kind of feel like spells. Like Tim, you know? Yeah. Tim was originally a blue card, and then they moved pingers over, and now they're red cards. But Tim would be a red-blue card if he was reprinted today. Probably. Um, but those are the, that's a creature with a spell attached to it. It's got gut shot attached to it. You tap it, and you gut mm-hmm. shot something. And so a lot of their creatures are s- sort of smaller utility creatures that have activated abilities that feel like spells. Like looting and rubbaging, that feels like a spell. Yeah. You know? And so those are things that are usually on tap abilities on creatures. And I love activated abilities on creatures because I like having all these things on board that I could choose which one I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, like the Nivix Guild Mage is one. It's a, uh, it costs is it so a blue and a red for a two two human wizard. It has two activated abilities. One is pay one a blue and a red, and you can draw a card then discard a card, so you can loot, or you can pay two a blue and a red and copy target instant or sorcery spell you control and you may choose new targets for the copy. So it forks one of your things. Yeah, uh, which is pretty sweet. Yeah, for just four extra mana. And it's just such so in the color pie of these two colors because that guy feels like two different spells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a, it's a recurring ability you can do as well. And the nice thing about red being paired with blue is that you have these activated abilities or triggered or activated abilities on cards, and red gives haste. Right. So you are able to play something and potentially do it on the same turn because that's what red's about. Yeah, so you can get your value right away. Yeah. Um, notable cards, again, Jora of the Gitu. We've talked oh, about yeah. her. We did a whole deck tech on her. This is a very red-blue card, and it is insanely powerful. Um, Niv-Mizzet as well, actually, is probably... He just has it all. <laughs> it's uh, whenever, I mean, both the versions of Niv Mizzet uh, allow you to draw cards, and whenever you draw cards, the, the creature does damage to you, uh, to a target creature or player. So there's Niv Mizzet Draco Genius, and there's also Niv Mizzet the Firemind. And the Firemind's the more commonly played commander of the two because he can go infinite with a billion things. Yeah, it's, it's just notorious for going uh, infinite. Yeah. Um, allied pairs. Allied pairs. All right. So the ally, the two allied pairs. We've already talked about one of them on the green episode, which is Gruel, green and red. So we're not going to cover that as in depth. So we're going to start with Rakdos instead, which is red and black. Um, 
this is like no rules, ice cream for breakfast, I'm in college. <laughs> I do whatever I want. Yeah, I do whatever I want. So red and black are all about chaos, mayhem, uh, hedonism is a word that uh, Mark Rosewater uses specifically. It's also like, yeah, it's it's achieve your goals by any means. Mm-hmm. They're even, both both these colors are known for like harming themselves in order to gain an advantage or to accomplish something. So whereas black's a little more calculating than red, they're both like, hey, listen, if I can go three damage to you, I'm willing to take two damage, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just a philosophy both colors share. Yeah. Um, one mechanic that they wrote uh, for red, black, Rakdos specifically is unleash, which is uh, you may have a creature unleash when it enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it, and it can't block when it has that counter on it. So it kind of has the downside of it can't block, you can get swung back at, but that's the upside of this thing is just going to be even stronger. It's going to be better costed for its mana because it is able to come in with more power and haste. Like Carnival Hellsty is one of those cards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's a very simple kind of pairing. Um, Rakdos is the Lord of Riots, and uh, this, this card actually is a very powerful uh, commander if you ever want to use him. He's two black and two red for a 6-6, six, six, but... You can't cast him unless an opponent lost life this turn, but he's a flying trample, and creature spells you cast cost one colorless less for each one life your opponents have lost this turn. So he is all about making people lose life so that you get a benefit from it. And he's giant. He's four mana for a 6-6 six, six flying trample. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, if you have a card like any pingers or whatever, this yep. is how you cheat him out, you, you or you get him out, because once he's out too everything costs less because of it and so he's definitely the lord of riots or the lord of partying and mayhem and chaos i guess <laughs> um a really interesting card is olivia voldaren uh she's often used as a general and if not very good in any deck with red and yeah and definitely uh, black. In Marchesa deck yeah she's two uh and Rakdos, so four total for a three three flying legendary creature vampire she has two activated abilities so again, activated abilities, something red does. Pay one in red, Olivia deals one damage to another target creature. That creature becomes a vampire in addition to its other types. Put a 1-1 one, one counter on Olivia. So flavorful. Yeah. She sucks its blood and gets more powerful. Yep, she sucks its blood, gets more powerful, and turns it into a vampire. It's so red, it's doing direct damage. It's mm-hmm. so black, it's spreading sickness. And then the next one is pay three and two black. Gain control of target vampire for as long as you control Olivia because so, she's a vampire lord. And also, red is one of the colors that steals creatures, mm-hmm. but it has to be has it has to have gotten the sickness from black first before yeah. you can take it. Such a great card. Yeah, Olivia is really powerful. She's actually been going up because I think she's seeing a lot of fringe sideboard play in modern as well. So one in a red to deal one damage to another target creature is really powerful because if you think about something like Apocalypse Hydra, it has to like remove a counter to yeah. do it and for that same amount of mana cost. So in the late game of EDH, you can just merc creatures by just doing, you know, pay six mana to do three damage to it or whatever. Right. I mean, so, you very can pay powerful. seven to steal it, but if you don't have that, a lot of times you can just be like machine gun down a couple. Yeah. So very good card. Um and that is definitely sort of the essence of Rakdos. It's not too complex, honestly. Most of the red colors and the color pairings aren't very complex because red's red not itself, a complex color. It's not a complex color, yeah. yeah. It is hard to play, though. I will say that because it's very, very hard to play correctly um, because it's really easy to just go all out and just die because you went too hard, you know? Yeah, definitely. The last color pairing is the allied pair Gruel, which is green and red. Um, Green and red is a really interesting combination. They're known for like big creatures. Mm-hmm. Something we didn't talk about earlier about red is they are known for creatures with high power, low toughness. Oh, right. Because they're just a creature that's just like, they don't worry about defense. They just swing haymakers at you and they don't care if you've got a counter left hook coming. Yeah. You know, and, and green is also a color of big creatures, although they do care about toughness in general. Um, so that's one of the things that these two colors share. Uh, this is interesting. You put down, they have answers to every kind of threat that exists. They have all the removal. Is this true? It feels like green has enchantment removal, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Red has artifact removal, so that's good. And land removal, so that's good. Um, they're a little bit narrow in their creature removal because it's all re- reliant on red which means that they'll have trouble with things like indestructible threats right. or things that um, you have to remove with something other than damage. 
Yeah. So I mean, when I yeah, when I said they have an answer to most kinds of threats, it means yeah, it is damage based, but they can still usually kill almost everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what's again we didn't talk about this earlier, but when you're damage based, there are going to be some things that are tough to remove. So protection from red is actually one of the better protections to have mm-hmm. because it does protect you from even red's board wipes because red's board wipes are damage based. Yeah. Whereas white's board wipes are destroy all creatures instead of do 13 damage so protection from white doesn't help you against wrath of god yeah but red's board wipe is blasphemous act which does 13 damage to all creatures well protection from red does save you from that yeah so pro red is really powerful um because red is focused on doing damage specifically um but like a card like decimate is like the yeah. iconic green red card it's two a red and a green which it says destroy target artifact target creature target enchantment and target land it just kind of does everything that all the colors do uh, in conjunction. So I really love that card. That card is all I always under, underestimate it. Whenever anybody plays it, it just, well, it decimates. Yeah. It's always like, uh, destroy that, 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 and that. And it's all pinpoint. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, uh-oh. I had all these plans, and now I'm just going to die. The only downside is that it's like, oh, what if there aren't all those things that you can't cast this? And it's like, right. trust me, it's a game of EDH. You're probably going to find targets for all of these. Uh, to me, Xenagos is just a huge, um, big, like, flagship for what Gruul is. So yeah. Xenagos, we've talked about. We did a whole episode on the Xenagos deck. He's Xenagos, God of Revels. He costs three, a red, and a green. He's a 6-5 legendary enchantment creature god. He's indestructible. As long as your devotion to red and green is less than seven, Xenagos isn't a creature. But it says, at the beginning of combat on your turn, another target creature you control gains haste and plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is that creature's power. Oof. So this is also, like I said, it's the it's the color combination of big creatures, mm-hmm. and red's the color of haste, and green's really the color of pump your creature up to a huge amount. Yeah. So Although the, red and green definitely share that because they both have yeah. uh, combat trick pump spells. But yeah, right. that's why they Normally work. red is a power pumping color, mm-hmm. whereas green's like the giant growth color of pump your power and your toughness. Yeah, you've noticed, by the way, that the best cards and the cards that are really powerful in most of the color combinations for red, green, and red, white are all about, again, aggro. And yep. just pushing damage through and getting ways to just end the game before another opponent has a chance to sort of recover from it that's why green red's really powerful in standard in general because you can always just do a green red monsters deck just giant things swinging for a giant amount of damage and a lot of times it's really hard for other decks to deal with that yeah it's just like hey i put out something big if you don't do something about it it will kill you yeah and then you you do something i'll play another thing let's see if we can deal with this one and it's just a sort of a war of attrition um green and red 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 in general isn't just going to beat you through like grindy card advantage stuff it's going to like Put you to the test. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to start swinging at you. Let's see what you can do about it. Yep. Or I'm going to steal one guy and hopefully just take you down in one turn. So don't leave yourself open to that option because red will take it. I will say red and green are also the colors of fight cards. Mm -hmm. So uh, things like Hunt the Weak, things where my creature fights your creature, uh, both those colors do that as well. Yeah, definitely an excellent, excellent color combination. Uh, so powerful in EDH. Um, we won't talk about the shards and the wedges. Um, to find out what those are, though, the those are the three color combinations. Um, recently in Dragons and Cons of Tarkir, we saw a lot of the wedges, uh, and you can find those out by just sort of cutting triangles on the uh, color penta- pentagon. And and we'll get into those in the future in the future episode. But in general, when we talk about these color pairings. They're so separate when we talk about color trios because you can just really pick and choose what colors cards you want from each when you're building a deck with three different colors. Whereas with um, pairs, usually you have a lot more synergy between the two colors. I also um, I think once you get to three colors, then your deck is almost more about the two colors that aren't present mm-hmm. than it is about the three that are, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like, um, let's take... I don't know, Soul Tie, for example, which is black, green, and blue. It's almost like you take Boros, which are the two colors that aren't in there, and you just reverse it, and that's mm-hmm. what you've got left. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's right, but it sounds good. Sounds good. I like it. <laughs> All right, so finally, we are, uh, we're narrowing in here. We're going to just sort of wrap things up and talk about how to best use red in EDH. So haste and win fast scenarios in general, not that useful. We've talked about this before. Explosiveness can be powerful, but trying to just beat everyone through aggro alone is not going to really 
make you a happy person because you won't win very often because of it. I mean, I think haste is super powerful in EDH, but you can't use it in the way that you would in standard. Mm -hmm. You're not attacking on turn three for it. You're setting up some big turn, you know, that's, that's still later in the game, which is not what red would normally do, but where you can just win out of nowhere. We talk about this all the time, right? Which is like these cards or these abilities that allow you to sort of just win out of nowhere where the board doesn't look that scary. And then you play two cards and you win. And and red has a lot of cards like that. Insurrection yeah. does that. Perforos does Kiki that. Kiki does that. Kiki Jiki does that. Just having anger in your graveyard does that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there are a lot of cards in red, and I think that's the thing that it excels at the most. Is like it's sitting there, and it doesn't really look like there's anything super scary, but it actually can play and use its cards on the same turn and kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Being able to just swing out of nowhere and explode with power is definitely what makes red really dangerous. And you should always be watching someone's board. And if, like, for instance, Dragon Tempest yep. is just one of those cards that's like, oh, guess what? All those things that you didn't think could attack, I'm going to win the game now because of it. Yep. I mean, that, that's another one of those cards where it's like they've got one card on the table. It's Dragon Tempest. Yeah. It doesn't look that scary. Then all of a sudden, they're they're killing everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think... Red is really powerful with Izzet because the sort of the haste and being able to use a creature with the tap ability is incredibly powerful. It's also a very obvious interaction. Um, it's a natural fit for most colors because red, it, like we said before, it provides explosiveness. It helps you get evasive non-base creature damage uh, through. Like you can just go straight to the face. You don't need to worry about pushing through on the, on the like by just swinging at someone. Sometimes you can just burn someone out in an EDH game. Um, the damage-based board wipes can be really helpful sometimes as well. So they're non-typical ways of getting rid of creatures, and no other color really can directly damage a creature in the way that red can, unless you go way back in the day and, like, Tim broke the color pie pretty hard. <laughs> or, like, Hornet Sting, I think is the Even then, cards. red was still far and away better at yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So red can do stuff like Power of Fire plus a pinger that has Death Touch, you know, or any pinger plus Death Touch. So yep. you can just start murking people left and right. So red has a lot of really nice ways that pairs with color. So I'd, I'd say... Pairing colors with red is your best option in EDH. Um, it's I great. mean, there are some mono-red strategies, though, we should talk about, and we didn't touch on this earlier, but True. but recently they've really pushed red, red towards uh, like affinity to artifacts type stuff. Mm-hmm. So like the Duretti uh, Commander 2014 product was very artifact-focused. Uh, it had Felden of the Third Path in there, which is also an artifact theme. Yeah, um, Goblin Welder is a traditionally really powerful card. Yeah, um, so, yes. so red is just come along as this like they use artifacts really well and Duretti is like super strong and Duretti is amazing yeah and so that's a way you can sort of do mono red now that I think is viable and very powerful I mean it's susceptible to artifact hate but mono red's susceptible to color hate or you know all kinds of uh, enchantments or whatever so yeah uh, red certainly likes to tinker um, there's a lot of value from artifacts too. It's really easily abusable with Duretti and stuff because you can recur stuff with Goblin Welder. By the way, Goblin Welder is just one of my favorite cards of all time yeah. because you can just switch someone's artifact out on another part of the board for some crappy thing they have in their graveyard. Like if they put an expedition map in there, be like, oh, your soul ring, it becomes an expedition map now. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, of course, red also has chaos effects like Wheel of Fortune goblins warp world um the upside is that you control the chaos to a certain degree because you know when you're playing it and it equalizes the board and you can do some really powerful stuff that affects everyone at the same time so there is downside to you um and sometimes it could just end in straight chaos yeah i I think the upside of some chaos effects too are that it's not your fault so if you play a creature you play a creature that like you don't get to choose where it attacks you just randomly choose an opponent and attacks that each turn well it's attacking every turn but nobody really gets mad at you for it because I just played a creature and then I just let it loose. Like, I don't know who it's going to attack. It's not up to me. It's up to the <laughs> dice. I mean, it's literally up to the dice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. so sometimes you can sort of get a reprieve or a break politically because you're playing an effect that is not under your control. Now, if you play warp world, everyone's just going to get mad at you because it's annoying. Yeah. Um, so, but it can still be awesome and fun. Don't get me wrong. Yes. That's a really, really good point about chaos is that you can kind of just put your hands up and be like, look, everyone, I discarded my hand too. And we all drew seven from wheel of fortune. And in general, I'm always happy when wheel of fortune pops out. Oh, I love that card. I love that card too. Um, another great way to use red is they've got great tribal synergy. Of course, every color has this, but red has it especially. I with- think they have the single best, coolest one anyway. Goblins. Goblins. Yeah. Goblins is like awesome and the flavor text on goblins and just the card like goblin grenade and yeah. goblin assassin goblin bombardment. and bombardment yeah that stuff is all like just goblin decks are awesome 
Yeah, what's the guy that uh, can just shoot guys for one? Goblin Sharpshooter. Yeah. So if anyone has a token deck, a single Goblin Sharpshooter with haste can destroy a, th- a million creatures with one toughness. Yeah. In a if, single if you go. give a Goblin Sharpshooter death touch, it like you can destroy every creature on the board. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. Um, and goblins also have tons of tutors. Yep. You've got multiple cards that all bring cards either to the top or into your hand with Goblin Matron. Goblin Recruiter. So goblins have a ton of synergy with themselves. That's why Krenko decks are so powerful. That's why Kiki Jiki is so powerful. Goblins um, are just funny. Yeah, they're, they're my. They're like the. Uh, they're the tinkerers of the of the yeah. magic world. I mean, again. elves might be more powerful, but as far as just cool flavor, like every card is kind of awesome. Goblins are they kill elves. Yeah, goblins are pretty pretty sweet yeah. in that regard. Um, There's also dwarves, which have been retconned to barbarians now. Barbarians and dwarves, yeah, yeah. and giants yeah. and uh, dragons, of course. That's the second dragons. most coolest. Um, although, yeah. if you're doing dragons anymore, you probably don't want to be mono red, but you're going to have to have red in there because red's the most dragon color. Yeah, some of the best dragons have multiple red symbols in their in their casting costs, like Scourge mm-hmm. of Valkos and stuff. So, yeah, red is great for those travel synergies if you guys are going in for that. Um, of course, the downside is that it's very linear and it's weak to board wipes, of course. Yeah, I, I think in general you play like those heavy tribal decks more for fun than for competitive nature yeah. um, because they can just be sort of hosed by one or two cards too often. And it has the ability to just blow up out of nowhere and just sometimes wreck your opponent, which is really powerful. Um, okay, well, let's talk about some cards you might not think of. So <laughs> cards that break the color pie, as it were. Um, oh, Chaos yeah, The biggest one. Yeah. Chaos Warp. So a lot of the Commander products want to break the color pie because they want to just give other colors the options to do stuff and make the game more interactive. Morrow is not a big fan of this, I know for sure. I'm not um, a big fan of it. Yeah, I'm not either. I think it's still important to have a couple of cards that do this because it doesn't totally warp the game, but it makes it slightly more balanced around the edges. But it is tough. It's really risky design territory because, I mean, when is too far, you know? It can make the whole game feel really vanilla. Imagine if red could just do all the same stuff as the other colors mm-hmm. and the, and all the colors could do that. Then there's no color separation. There's no reason to play different colors and everybody just plays the same cards and then the game sucks. So it's yep. a slippery slope. Um but Chaos Warp is a really good card, and they did make it. And unless it gets banned, which it's unlikely to because they just changed Tuck so it's not as powerful. Yeah. Uh, then if you're playing red, put Chaos Warp in your deck. Yeah. Chaos Warp, two in a red instant. Owner of target permanent shuffles it into his or her library, then reveals the top card of the library. If it's a permanent, they put it onto the battlefield. So it's got a slight downside like Oblation and the other cards that do it in the other colors. But red just doesn't have the ability to just take care of any single permanent. So this could be an enchantment, a planeswalker, literally anything. Yeah, um, the fact that it touches enchantments is really the biggest single thing about the card. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why that's why red decks need to play cards like Karn, Liberated, because that's how they get rid of just a permanent that they can't touch otherwise. Yeah, if something has indestructible, Chaos Warp takes care of it, whereas basically things like Lightning Bolt and damage-based stuff won't touch it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, an important card um, if you're playing mono-red. Uh, one of my favorites is an old card called Mana Flare, Mana Flare. It's two and a red for an enchantment. It says whenever a player taps a land for mana, that player adds one mana to his or her mana pool of any type that land produced. So this is a green effect mm-hmm. to double. It's a mana doubler. Um, but this one's in red, so it's just giving you something you couldn't usually get. And the only reason this exists is because mana burn used to exist. So mm-hmm. if you had too much mana in your mana pool that you couldn't spend at the end of... Uh, of a phase, it would actually just do damage to you. <laughs> so, right. So this is a way to make people get more mana, but potentially take a ton of damage because of it as well. Yeah. At the time, it was in Red's color pie because it was risky to use it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mana Flare is pretty great. Um, we already talked about these cards earlier, but Reiterate, Fork. Um, Reiterate's really great. Um, one Red Red for an instant with Buyback, three. And any card with Buyback in EDH is so good. You can pay an additional three colorless as you cast a spell if you do put the card into your hand as it resolves. So you just get the card back and get to do it again. Copy target instant or sorcery spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So it's exactly fork, but just has buyback cost yeah. know, a little bit more. Yeah, it's very strong. Yeah, very, very good. Um, let's talk about Outpost Siege was oh, one yes. I mentioned earlier. And it does the thing that red can't normally do, which is you choose uh, cons. It's three and a red for an enchantment. It says at as Outpost Siege enters the battlefield, choose cons or dragons. So cons is at the beginning of your upkeep, exile the top card of your library. Until end of turn, you may play that card. Dragons is whenever a creature you can tr- 
control leaves the battlefield. Outpost Siege deals one damage to target creature or player. So you're going to choose cons almost every time. Mm-hmm. It's just like card draw. It's just like we said earlier. If you don't play it at by end of turn, then it goes away. Uh, it's exiled for good. But it's just something red has been until recently very bad at, and that's card draw. Yeah. Which is great. Being able to just get that extra card every turn makes a big difference, especially if you're playing mono red. Um, another card that I really like that I don't really get to see much of, and we talked about this, I believe, in the episode, uh, the Alesha uh, Deck Tech Doctor, uh, Mind Claw Shaman. Four in a red. When Mind Claw Shaman enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals his or her hand. You may cast an instant or sorcery card from it without paying its mana cost. What is red doing interacting with someone's hand? Well, red <laughs> is... Yeah, it's true. It's, it is a little bit weird. Red is sort of the wild ricochet color though so this is just pushing mm-hmm. it a little farther it's not waiting until they cast it to hijack it yeah. it's just hijacking it directly out of their hand yeah that well, is you a also bit get weird. hidden information about their hand and stuff which is usually something that red that's you know that's for blue and black to have that's a really good point and it casts it without paying its mana cost which is uh, sort of a again it's usually a blue thing to be able to skip the mana cost on a spell on a sorry instant or sorcery i guess mm-hmm. um yeah, that card is really bonkers, especially if your meta is full of Narset and Jaleva and Joyra yeah. decks. Just big yeah. spells doing big things. Um, all right, so let's go around the table here, and let's talk about one or, one or two of your favorite commander uh, ideas or just commanders that you've built. Um, clearly, I'm just going to start with Kiki Jiki, Mirror Breaker. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's awesome. He's brutal. ultimate red commander. Um, I mean, I've built Joyra who is probably my p- most powerful deck, and that's an Is It deck. Yeah. Um, uh, we talked about it in an episode. I don't remember what episode, but we talked about it. You yeah. Can, you can look that up. It's a mean deck. There's also Nin the Pain Artist, which is... Oh, yeah. I've wanted to build a Nin deck. Yeah, it's a blue-red uh, for a 1-1 legendary creature for Dalkin Wizard. And for X blue-red, you can tap Nin the Pain Artist, and it does X damage to target creature. That creature's controller draws X cards. So you can do it to yourself, clearly. You can do it to other creatures, but it's a great way to just kill stuff. But it's also interesting because you can use, there's tons of different ways to build this deck. You can kind of do the uh, stop hitting yourself version mm-hmm. uh, where you do it to your own creatures and you give them indestructible and you can just keep drawing off it. Or you can do it to mill people out, generate a ton of mana and make them and hit something for like 50 or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a strong card. I've looked at it before. I was like, uh, when, you know, I have these sort of a list of cards or, or possible cards. I may build a deck around. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and Nin's always on it. It's just such an interesting effect. Yeah, and it's it, hard to replicate. It's hard to replicate, and the fact that it makes people draw cards seems like a downside, but there's always ways to abuse that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the fun of building a deck around Nin. Um, but yeah, so Red has just lots of options, I think. Red is great, like a fine pairing of a wine to a meal or something, you know? Like, you want a nice red wine with your steak? Red's got you covered. <laughs> also, I'll take that steak bloody. Thank you. Oh, gosh. You, we still haven't figured out who won between the MTA cast girls. So, you know what? I'll take my steak extra bloody if you're going to buy dinner, Josh. <laughs> but since I'm not going to be in, you are. I'll take my extra extra bloody. Oh, snap. Just I just want it raw. There you go. <laughs> just bring the cow, like alive. Yeah. All right, so let's wrap up our color wheel red discussion here. Uh, make sure you guys go and read Mark Rosewater's articles. They cover all of this and more, and they really get to show you how a game designer thinks about something and then puts it onto a card, which is great because I think it really helps um, – to us to be brewers of decks to like use these colors in interesting ways and to make decks that are potentially unconventional and a lot of fun as well like josh's stop hitting yourself deck i think is a perfect example of how knowing the color wheel well and what certain cards do is a really powerful way to make a fun deck that may never have been seen before and may sometimes actually work sometimes sometimes when it does it's insanely <laughs> it, it's powerful, cool when it works yeah, but yeah absolutely it doesn't always come together um ready for the end step yeah okay i have a cool one so speaking of the uh, lovely ladies from Magic the Amateuring, uh, Megan, when she was on our show, I believe, yeah, she talked about, or maybe it was when we were on hers. I'm getting the two mixed up. But anyway, mm-hmm. she talked about a book she had read and she recommended it to me. It was called When You Reach Me by Rebecca Stead. Um, I don't want to talk about what the book's about because I don't want to give away any spoilers, but it is an excellent, excellent book. I I read it all in one morning. It's not... Um, a difficult read it's it's made for sort of young adults but it's very very great to read as an adult super interesting uh, i loved it so i would highly recommend that book when you reach me that's my end step is it good it's super good cool glad to hear it 
Perhaps I will read it as well soon myself. You've got a whole stack of books from Del Rey you've got to read first, my friend. Well, you know, I'm going to be on the plane for a little bit tomorrow, so that's going to help me out a bunch. Nice. All right. Uh, cleanup Step, our sister podcast. Make sure you guys check them out if you enjoy the format of modern or are interested in joining into the the uh, the eternal struggle of, of modern. Blah, 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 blah. The eternal struggle. <laughs> the uh, Masters of Modern is our sister podcast. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman do a great job breaking down that format with tons of really cool guests, good brews, and just in general, really good coverage. And Kessler is uh, he's pretty good at predicting things when they happen, so it's always fun to hear what, what his predictions are for like cards in the Modern Masters set or what's going to be in Battle for Zendikar and all that stuff. So. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he's got a lot of Battle for Zend- Zendikar uh, predictions. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, our editor for the show is Eli Cuevas. Thank you to Jeffrey Palmer for providing the living card animations on the video portion of this. You can find all those videos on our YouTube channel. There's a link to that in the show notes. And you can find Jeffrey Palmer on Twitter at LivingCardsMTG. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.